Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mitch Jr. Joining alongside Ian Patrick. How are you doing today, Ian? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. We got our first taste of NFL football last week, and man, it just wasn't enough for me. I know I'm an Eagles fan, and what I saw was, you know, from my perspective, at least very exciting in that regard. But just watch. Just watching everybody around the league take the field again, it was it was so cool to watch. Um, I was telling you earlier, I'm going to be in attendance for the Eagles game this week um, versus the 49ers in Philadelphia. I'm uh, making the trip with some uh, buddies from back home. It should be a really good time. I'm really excited for it. So there, I'll be the first one to admit, for the first time ever, there'll be some bias into my pick for the Eagles this week. All right. Um. So we're doing something a little different this year. We – Attempted it last year, but it didn't really work out. Um, we're going to be keeping our record week by week to see how we're keeping up with other analyst standards, I guess we could say. Um, this past week, I went 8-8, eight and eight, and I believe Ian went 9-7 and seven on predictions. Um, so right around 500, which isn't terrible for week one with how crazy this week ended up being. No, yeah, and uh, I took – you know, got into it a little bit with you before we got on the air here, but um, it kind of lends some credence to what um, what we were kind of harping on last week when we were doing our episode. You know, so much of what happens in the offseason is done behind closed doors. I mean, we really have very little interaction with what goes on in the offseason. So, I mean, from that kind of a perspective, you you really come in kind of blind. I mean, we try to follow it as much as we can and we see see and track all the big moves. But I mean, even at the end of all those big moves, when we're breaking it down, oftentimes we'll say, I mean, we just got to see it on the field though, because there's always that chance that things just don't work out perfect and things aren't, aren't all smooth sailing and things like that. Or you get people that you didn't expect to be as big contributors. And that, those are some big storylines that we're not always exactly privy to. So those storylines kind of develop right in front of our eyes starting in week one. And it was cool to see that happen week one. And now that we kind of got a new lay of the land, we can kind of peg where everyone's at. I'm interested to see how if our records don't get better moving forward. Yep, and starting out with Thursday night football, we have the New York Giants traveling to Landover Field to face the Washington football team. Um, New York looked absolutely terrible against that Denver defense, um, its O-line did not stop the pass rush. But on the other hand, Washington lost Ryan Fitzpatrick to a season-ending injury, and Taylor Heineke will be looking to be the starter for the upcoming future. Yeah, uh, to me, this is a really tricky game to pick. Uh, Fitzpatrick being out instantly puts Heineke in the hot seat, just like, just like you said, and I think we'll figure out real soon uh, how that goes. Um, unfortunately for the Giants, like you also said, there was little to give confidence about their offense moving forward. They really seem like a dysfunctional mess of a team. And the fact that they're still bringing along their top offensive weapons, it may, I'll be honest, it makes me lean toward Heineke and the football team. I mean, we didn't see a lot from them last week. Um, obviously, the one thing we did see was the, the crazy pass to McLaurin. But I'll say the one thing I even saw in that was it was an amazing catch by McLaurin to be able to track that football 
the whole way in and still make that catch. But it was a, it was a terrible pass. Heineke's got to be better. And, I mean, Washington has brought themselves far, far along enough when it comes to playmakers that I think that they can be able to do something this week. I expect him to have a better rapport with Terry McLaurin after a week with first string practices. I expect Deami Brown to be a bigger factor. And I mean, Antonio Gibson now, you need to lean on that guy more than ever. He's really dynamic with the football. He showed that in week one. I loved how much they were getting him the ball and you need to continue to feed him the rock because this Giants team, uh, there's really no reason for confidence uh, in them offensively, defensively, uh, just uh, even the bad things I talked about that seemed to be plaguing them in the offseason continued into week one. I like Washington in this one, uh, 23-16. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to go with Washington here. I think the defense looked pretty good against the Chargers. Um, they weren't able to stop them as much as I would have liked to, but holding a high-powered offense like that from last year at only 20 points is – still pretty impressive and Herbert's just showing that he's not in a sophomore slump yet uh but still like I don't know how much I trust Daniel Jones in another very threatening front seven yeah I, I totally agree I mean the fact that Saquon is also just as of today being listed as questionable for this game doesn't make me feel any better I still ride with the Washington football team now, moving on to some Sunday football, we have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Chicago, and Cincinnati looked phenomenal last Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they looked really, really good. I mean, I, I know I, I was harsh on them in the offseason, and they were one of those ones that kind of came out and proved it. I mean, I, I'll say – one thing that I'll have to save a little bit of it for later, but I was a little bit so more displeased with what I saw from some of the things that the Vikings were doing than I was pleased with what the Bengals were doing. Uh, they did end up winning a game. It wasn't all that much of even really a competitive game. I was very surprised defensively at how well they were able to slow down the Vikings. I mean, that's the one part you know about, you know, the Vikings for is how good they are offensively. And I, I was pleasantly surprised with how well they were able to hold up on that end. But um, they, I'll be honest, they did shock me a little bit. And I'm willing to eat a fair amount of crit criticism that I had sent over their way. But that being said, I mean, they're going to get a different kind of test this week. The Bears figure only to continue to use Justin Fields more. I think he needs to be the starter, and I think it would be an awesome move to have just held him out from a Rams defense that is very scary, as we all know, to then bring him in here versus the Bengals. I think it would be a good situation. They won't, but, I mean, they still use sets with him. So, I mean, they will continue to get him on the field, and he can continue to make plays for them until he obviously takes the role. But – Combine that with the fact that the defense looks good and David Montgomery actually looked really fantastic. Um, I'm high on the Bears right now. I like the, all the things that they've got going on. Um, I'm going to roll with them 27 to 20. I'm, I'm also rolling with Chicago here. Um, Chicago's defense is definitely better than what Minnesota's is, and I think that's going to be a really tough task for Joe Burrow to uh, stay in the threat of Khalil Mack running at him every single play. Also, like you said, David Montgomery is looking really good. Uh, not exactly a star back like Dalvin Cook is, uh, but has a better offensive line around him uh, to be able to block for him. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he's really – he flashed to me. When the first time I saw him, I, I was like, this guy looks like he's got a, 
an extra gear that he didn't have last year. And he really even came on strong at the end of last year. So, I mean, he's really starting to put together some success at the NFL level. Well, now moving on to another team that had probably the biggest shocker start of the season. We have the Houston Texans going to Cleveland. I don't know what Tyrod Taylor pulled out of his bag, but Houston looked like an actual football team. I 100% agree. I mean, they were actually competent in their first game. Granted, I think in hindsight, we probably should have pumped the brakes a little bit on how terrible they are. I mean, it, it is a bad team, but it is it's really not like the worst team we've ever seen in the world. It is not that. I mean, Houston is, you know, they do kind of look like an expansion team, but at the same time, I mean, on any given Sunday, the team that comes out and works hard can win, and they still have some players that can make plays. And Tyrod Taylor, like you said, actually played really, really well for them. I'm glad to see him actually get a, get a shot like this. But I wouldn't expect many more performances like this still. Um, it was encouraging. It shows that they can be a factor. They're not just going to fall roll over to every single opponent, but they were also playing a Jags team that I've been on air about, you know, some of the, about how displeased I've been about what some of the things that they've done, even with Trevor Lawrence at this point. So, I mean, the Browns are still even on a different level above all of this, even still and showing their results versus the chiefs. I mean, it was extremely encouraging from my perspective. So, I mean, there's a chance Cleveland could have could have overlooked this one coming into it. But after the Texans' performance a week ago, I don't think they do. And I think the Browns are prepared. And they're looking – they're hungry for a win. I mean, they really are. They learned last week just how good they are. And I think that's kind of a scary sentiment for the entire league, really. Yeah, that Cleveland team almost upsetting the Super Bowl runner-ups and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Baker Mayfield looked really, really good. That defense was looking – really it was looking fantastic up until closer to the end of the game when Kansas City was making the runs and ended up coming back but I I want to see Baker get the ball in the end zone more I mean they've really relied on that run game and I think it's gonna be a huge game for me him to be able to do that yeah, no, I, I, I agree. If there's anything, you know, from a Browns fan perspective that you should definitely be watching in this one, I think it's 100% what you said. Baker Mayfield played good, not great. I think that's the, the, the big caveat there. I mean, I'm right there with you. He needs to get the ball in the end zone. He still does have dynamic receivers who can make plays with them, and that even includes uh, Kareem Hunt, who can make plays from the backfield position. So, I mean, he has all the weapons. It's about putting points up for himself. I mean, the run game is awesome, and you have to feed those guys. And when they eat, it's great. But right here versus Texans team, a team that actually looked a little bit better than you might have suspected past defense-wise, um, it could serve as a kind of good litmus test just to get see where Baker's at. Well, now moving on to – we have the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Indianapolis. Indy – didn't look great week one, um, but on the other hand, Matt Stafford looks right at home in Los Angeles. Yeah, he really did. I'm really, really happy for the guy. I mean, I can tell that, you know, he looks rejuvenated. He looks excited to be playing again, and that's all really great. I think it's kind of funny looking back at all the kind of analytics people who said, oh, I would never do 
that trade again with all the first round picks and everything that was considered it. This league is still a league that, you know, you live and die by the quarterback position. And I mean, I think that the Rams will continue to, you know, reap the benefits of their gamble and going out to get Stafford. I, I really do. But starting with this game, I mean, I kind of have to feel a little bit bad for the Colts. I mean, their luck just isn't going to get any better in this game. I don't feel like, and I have a bad feeling there's going to be some really anxious fans after this game. Um, Granted, it's two really tough performances. I mean, there's no way the rest of their season is going to be on par with, you know, the Seahawks and the Colts or the Seahawks and the Rams in back-to-back weeks. That's just really rough in and of itself. But it does make you kind of wonder, could they have brought Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson back a little bit slower? I mean, they probably could have used an extra couple weeks of rest. I mean, especially we saw it last week. It didn't result in a win. It's looking unlikely here. I mean, it probably could have served them well, but – Hindsight's always 2020. Either way, from what we saw from the Rams, it was so good. Um, and this Colts team is going to take a little bit of a while to figure itself out. I mean, Carson Wentz was deprived of a lot of camp time. I don't think you should worry, but it's going to take him a little bit of time. Ultimately, Rams 34 to 23 winners in this one. Yeah, I'm I'm also going with the Rams here. It, I I find it very difficult to pick the Colts after last weekend. They're going against a much more high-powered offense. I mean, Russell Wilson and the the Seahawks are a good offense, but when you have uh, a strong-arm QB in the backfield like Stafford, it's going to be even more difficult to stop. Yeah, I expect them to air it out early and often. Now, moving on to the Buffalo Bills traveling down to Miami to face the Dolphins. Buffalo suffered a a hurtful loss last week, barely losing to the Steelers 16-23. to But Miami barely scraped out a win. Just barely. Yeah, I mean, you got that right. But I think, you know, first of all, I'm going to start with the Bills, same way you did. And I really think, you know, obviously, yeah, they came out and laid an egg last week. I think everyone was really expecting a lot more from them. And I want to make it clear that I still – and we'll double down on this team and say that there is more to come. I mean, I think this actually could be kind of a good thing, this early season loss to the Steelers. I mean, it should serve as an early season wake-up call. And I have a feeling the Dolphins are about to get a pretty pissed-off Bill team. Um, I think this team, these teams match up really well in regards to what they both like to do. Obviously, the Bills love to air it out. The run game is definitely not the forefront of what they like to do offensively. And you, this Dolphins defense is really built through the secondary. I mean, that's really where you, you just look at the amount of money that they're playing, paying players at those positions. I mean, it's obvious how big of a priority it is. So I will be watching that aspect of this game. I think that has a chance to be very, very interesting. Both guys know what the other's going to do, but we'll have to see how it plays out. This is my sleeper pick for game of the week. I do think it could be a really, really exciting game. Obviously, you guys – you know, if you listen to the episodes, you guys know how big I am on both of these teams. But in the end, it's just hard for me to, you know, go with Tua under the, when I'm looking through a microscope and it comes down between him and Josh Allen. I, I'm just not comfortable enough yet in how good the rest of the Dolphins team is to think that that's enough to for, for them to overcome Tua in this one. I, I'm, I'd love to put them in that tier. I don't think they're there yet. I need to see improvements from Tua. With that being said, I'm rolling with Josh Allen and the Bills, 30-19. to 19. And Another thing is Buffalo's defense looked really good. I mean, it was a super close game until uh, 
Chris Boswell had a, a punt blocked at Dowd's return for a touchdown that just kind of swung the momentum into Pittsburgh's favor, and uh, Buffalo was never able to recover from that. And Miami won off a a Damon Harris fumble that was a, a one-in-a-million chance. So that that's what really worries me. Uh, this Buffalo offense is going to really air it out on Miami. I mean, Mac Jones had a good game. Josh Allen is about to have a field fest. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I think, I mean, the fact that, like I also kind of touched on, the fact that I think he could be a kind of a pissed-off team and a pissed-off Josh Allen, is it would worry me. It would worry me. Now, moving on to the first rookie showdown of quarterbacks of the year, we have the New England Patriots traveling to face the New York Jets. Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson. This is going to be a really good game. Both QBs showed pretty promising futures in their first game. Uh, both didn't walk away with the win, but both almost threw for 300 yards. Uh, pretty good percentages. Uh, and both just barely walked away without the win. Yeah, no, I'm willing to kind of concede a little bit about what I've been on air about saying about both of these guys. Um, you know, first of all, I'll start with Mac Jones. I mean, I, I was wrong. Uh, I'm willing to say at least this much. I mean, he looked very capable in his first NFL game. It wasn't earth shattering, but you did see the things that you always want to see. And he did look comfortable um, from the Jets perspective. Zach Wilson played a good game as well. Um, obviously he had two touchdowns, just one pick. But to, to me, there was a couple of times while I was watching Zach Wilson where he would just miss a throw. And I'm, I don't mean just like miss. I mean, like nine to 10 yards off of target, which was just a little bit weird. I, I'm willing to chalk it up to just, just nerves, but it was something that I, I'd noticed on a couple of occasions. But all in all, I thought he played a good game as well. You know, I mean, he is still working with the Jets team. They still do have a very long way to go. But to me, the Jets also lost Mecky Becton. This is a matchup of the two lesser talked about rookie quarterbacks, but I think it'll still be entertaining. And I mean, ultimately, I know one thing, and it's that Belichick owns rookie QBs, and the Pats usually win those matchups. So I'm rolling with the Patriots 27 to 17. I'm also rolling with New England here. Uh, I liked a lot more what I saw from Mac Jones than Zach Wilson. Uh, I think Miami had a much better defense than Carolina did in week one, and Mac Jones being able to play that good against uh, QBs like Xavier Howard uh, really shows how good he can be in that style of an offense. I mean, yeah, Belichick is able to, able to go back to the, the style of offense that works so well with Brady, and it's looking like it's working pretty decently with uh, Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, they are similar kind of a quarterback. I mean, you can see why the whole, you know, second coming of Tom Brady thing gets tossed around. I mean, physically, the way that they move, the way that they play, there's a lot of similar kind of components to their game. Now, moving on to the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Philadelphia to, to, to play the Eagles. And I'll let you, you lead this one off. Well, I know I said it earlier, I'm going to be in attendance for this game. I'm so excited to see everything that Lincoln Financial Field has to offer. 
And, and I really couldn't even be – I couldn't be more pumped because also from what we saw last week, the Eagles look like a good and competent team. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be happy, especially with what we were able to do from an offensive standpoint. I mean, I, I did not expect that to happen this early, but it's so apparent already that Devontae Smith and Jalen and Jalen Hurts have a really good connection. I mean, that much is easy. And Nick Sirianni, I have to give him some credit. It was very, very creative and has a good eye for how to get the most out of the players that he's working with. I mean, I was shocked when I saw J.J. Ortega-Whiteside take the field. I was even more shocked when he even made our 53-man roster. And when he takes the field and doesn't get a single target, I want to be perplexed, but I also realized he was in an essential part of our game plan from a blocking perspective. He blocked on the outside tremendously and sprung multiple huge plays for us. So, I mean, just the fact that he's already showing that he knows how to get the most out of players, I think bodes really, really well. The fact that we're going to be playing at home in the link, it should be excited. It should be rocking, especially because we were one of those teams that were kind of in flux with a lot of question marks coming into this season. And the fact that I feel like fan, from a fan perspective, a lot of people feel like some of those have been answered. I'm, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm not ready to say that Jalen Hurts is all amazing. He played incredibly, and I want to see more of it for sure. But I'm not willing to say that he's, you know, an MVP frontrunner or anything close just yet. So I think the fans will be very excited, ready to go. And I think that does give the Eagles an edge. I mean, the, this is a 49ers team that looked really, really good, but then even let a Detroit team claw back into the game. I mean, it should have been long, you know, long over. But if they did something similar to a team like the Eagles, from what we saw last week versus the Falcons, it's very well likely that they could come back and pull something off. Now, I do understand that Philly did look very, very good in week one. We also have to remember it is the Atlanta Falcons. That defense is arguably the worst defense in the league. And I'm not saying Jalen Hurst didn't play well. It's just I need him to show me that he can play well against a, a top-tier defense uh, like the 49ers are when they're actually turned on. Um, Jimmy G looked – Okay, week one. Um, I'm not going to say he looked phenomenal. They were playing the Lions, who are very underwhelming on the defensive side. Uh, but their running game is what really shocked me the most. I mean, Raheem Mostert goes down with an injury, and Elijah Mitchell just comes out of nowhere. Uh, five and a half yards of carry and a touchdown for 104. Absolutely insane. And Debo Samuel looking like the number one receiver he is touted to be looked really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where the San Fran team can go. Uh, I'm wrong with them here. I need Jalen hurts to, to prove me wrong against a good team first before I roll with Philly. Completely understandable, completely understandable. And I, I will say, um, I prefaced that, you know, there was, there's going to be some personal bias in this one. Um, obviously because I'll be in attendance, you know, I'm really hoping for a win, but I will say something that does worry me. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's offense is always really can maximize running backs. And the one thing that I will say that the Falcons got the better of the Eagles with at times was rushing the football. And it was very worrisome because I mean, usually that's a part of the Eagles defense that for the last four to five years has been one of our strengths was our rush defense. 
So that definitely caught my eye. And it was with a running back of Cordell Patterson. Cordero Patterson, excuse me. So, I mean, for that to be the case, I mean, it does worry me, especially, like I said, with how well we know Shanahan can scheme the run game. Yeah, it's it's not looking great for that Philly defense, but we will see. Uh, now moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders, who had a huge upset against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. This is going to be a really good game. Yeah, I really do think it will be. I mean, both of these teams pleasantly surprised me in week one, and it's just poetic justice that they should meet one another in week two for a matchup. Uh, for the Raiders, Derek Carr played phenomenal, and I think all hopes are that that continues. And the Steelers team beat a Bills team that did play down a little bit, but it was still impressive. I mean, getting T.J. Watt back and with your team paid instant dev- dividends. I mean, that sh- strip – was phenomenal, and it kind of swung the tide of the game as well. I mean, obviously, yes, there was the punt block in the return, but either way, I think that was a big play. And then the Steelers are better offensively, but this is another one that I could really see going either way. The Raiders will be without some of their best defensive linemen, and with that, I think we finally see a Najee Harris breakout game. Um, I'm rolling with the Steelers in this one. They kind of kind of got me back on the train a little bit after the way they performed in week one. They could just kind of show that they are still a veteran savvy team. Like they're not going to play themselves out of games. And I could see that more so being something that the Raiders do in this one. I am going to roll with Pittsburgh here, but like I said last week with the Raiders again, I wouldn't be shocked about an upset. Derek Carr looked like he's going back into MVP form from that 2016, 2017 season. Uh, before he got injured, uh, he looked really, really good against the ball against the Ravens. Uh, the run game wasn't really there. I don't think it's really going to be there again because of how good that Pittsburgh front seven is. But if Derek Carr can keep up this, these connections to Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, who came out of nowhere, in my opinion, I mean, he had a phenomenal game. They're not really going to have to worry about all that much. Yeah. Um, no, they, they absolutely will not, but I'm kind of with you, you know, I mean, it just is a Raiders team that is kind of hard to peg. I mean, at their best, I really do think they could toe to toe go with some of the better teams in this entire league, but it just all really boils down to what team we see on the, take the field. And it just feels like it's been such kind of a mixed bag that it's hard to really roll with them on a consistent basis, especially when they're playing a team like the Steelers, which, like I said, impressed me so much week one. Yeah, I it's going to be a really good game. Uh, like I said, I'm rolling with Pitt, but Oakland could or Las Vegas could come out with another upset. Yeah. Oh, now speaking of, of true MVP candidates, we have the New Orleans Saints traveling to Carolina to face the Panthers. Jameis Winston looked like a god. Not many yards, but wow. Five touchdowns. It was definitely an impressive performance. I mean, I think the Saints really put the world on notice in week one. And I, I want to preface one thing just about this whole situation. I, I think it kind of speaks to the volumes of how good teams are ran. You don't always have to be in this limbo of a position and say, oh, well, I don't have a quarterback that's good enough. 
there are so many talented quarterbacks that are floating around without a home that could do so well signing with the team, backing up, learning from a great quarterback, and then taking the reins from them then. You don't have to go through years of sucking and tanking and praying and hoping that you can get, you know, some savior through the draft. If you play your cards right and make smart moves, you can end up with a quarterback like Jameis Winston and watch what he did for the Saints. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. And, I mean, he showed that he's come a long way. And he performed great regardless even of a subpar receiving unit overall. I mean, the Panthers are another team that handled their business in the opener, but it still left a little bit to be desired, to me at least. I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, didn't really go off or do anything crazy in a revenge game like I kind of thought he would, which I thought would help him with his confidence moving forward. Uh, So with that, um, I don't know. I'm a a little worried about this game overall, though. I think it could go kind of could go either way. I'm not expecting, you know, Jameis Winston to set the world on fire again like that. I mean, it just kind of seemed to be a dumpster fire performance from the Packers overall. I expect this one to be a little bit closer, but still, I think this could boil down to simply just whichever defense can contain a dynamic running back better. Um, and that's something that I am more willing to bet on the Saints with. And for that reason, I'm rolling with them 29 to 23. Yeah, I'm, I'm also rolling with New Orleans here. Uh, yeah, James probably isn't going to have a game like that for the rest of the season. Uh, but it is, it's going to be really difficult for either team to contain these these running backs. I mean, Alvin Kamara, uh, arguably top five running back. Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in football uh, between him and Derrick Henry. Both are not just downhill runners. Both are phenomenal out of the backfield with their pass catching ability. It's the most dynamic running running backs I've ever seen in my life, and it's gonna be really difficult for either team to stop them. Uh, but like you said, I think New Orleans front seven is a little more built to stop McCaffrey or slow him down than uh, that Carolina front seven is to get Kamara. Yeah, I agree. And that was that was for me the kind of the, the difference maker. Well, now moving on to the Denver Broncos traveling to Jacksville to face the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence gets his first loss, regular season loss, in his entire football career, which is insane to think about. Uh they didn't look great. I I don't like the use of Carlos Hyde over James Robinson Robinson as much. Uh, I really think they should have James Robinson be their, their number one back uh, with Trevor Lawrence there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't look great. I mean, under almost under 50% completion. Uh, did have 300 yards, but also three picks against the Texans. Uh, and then, on the other hand, Denver just completely – killed uh that Giants front or that Giants O line and their offense looks good. I liked Teddy B in the backfield. Uh Melvin Gordon looked like a pretty good running back again. And the receiving core is looking as good as ever. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with you. I'll I'll start off where you kind of left off with the Broncos. Now they did have the unfortunate and terrible news that Jerry Judy will miss time. Um, and not, not sure if it's season long yet or, or what the deal is there, but it was a nasty looking ankle injury. Um, prayers up for him. I hope he wish him a speedy recovery. He's a fantastic player, but 
even without him and when once he got hurt I mean this offense looks very fresh and rejuvenated I'm really glad you touched on it because I mean with Sutton back and KJ Hamler I mean they both kind of showed separation ability and Bridgewater looked the part of a kind of like spread the love kind of QB for the Jags on the other hand it was very much so a mad opening week for me I mean to me, they showed me that they still have a ton of a ton of way to go with Urban Meyer, and it continues to make me more nervous about his approach to the NFL game. I, I'm with you. There's some questionable things and decisions that he's making, like Carlos Hyde over James Robinson. It just doesn't make all that much sense to me, and I, I've talked about it too many times. I can't get into it again for just – I don't want to make you guys listen to me rant on some of the perplexing things that he's done, but – this game seems pretty clear cut to me. I, I mean, the Broncos looked really, really well in week one. And, and then from the Jaguars perspective, I mean, they, they, was, they showed, like I said, they've got a lot of room to come. And I think that, you know, it, Trevor Lawrence may not have ever lost a regular season game, but he's only played one NFL game. And something tells me this win could prove to be a little elusive. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really difficult for uh, – Jacksonville to walk away with this one uh, with how good Denver looked in week one. Now, moving on to what is another MVP candidate after week one, we have the Arizona Cardinals facing the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. I think Kyler Murray has proved all the haters wrong after that first week. Just wow. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals really could be the entire talk of the league. I mean, with everything you could say about them, they really balled out. Um, and correction, like you said, Kyler Murray in the passing game went off. Um, and it's a big part of this reason why I have been so high on this team. Um, they play in a really tough division. I still don't even think it matters. I, I think they're that good. Um, now, granted, they beat a Tennessee team that was really reeling. And, and I it, it allowed them to gain some confidence and to put up those big games, those big numbers, all those nice plays. But at some point, they'll be tested. Now, it's not this week. I, you know, spoiler. But, I mean, just to go back to it, I mean, the reason I'm so high is they have everything that they need on this team to run this absurd offense that Cliff wants to. I mean, they really have been allowed to pick out the playmakers that they've wanted. When it, you think about DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, I mean, they all really, really flashed and looked good, as did Kyler Murray. And, I mean, this Vikings team last week just showed to me how susceptible they are to the pass. And I, I don't think that they're going to be able to figure out a way to change that in a week's time. I mean, they're really their best hope is that Dalvin Cook and that offense can absolutely eat and turn this into a bit of a shootout. But even then, I still think this favors the, the Cardinals. Yeah, the thing about that is, like, Dalvin Cook, Cook didn't look great in week one. I mean, 61 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown against a Bengals defense that isn't front seven heavy. And a Cardinals team that was able to stop Derrick Henry to only 58 yards in a game. Uh, yeah, it's it's not looking great for, for Dalvin this week. Yeah, it's really not. Not going to so, get easier. Yeah, I, I'm rolling with Arizona here. I think Kyler Murray is able to – he's definitely changed my my view on him after crushing the Titans. Oh, yeah. He looked really, really, really good. 
now on to probably the the easiest pick of uh of this week we have the atlanta falcons traveling down to tampa bay uh do we really have to even speak on this one uh, atlanta lost to a second year quarterback with not the greatest receiving core i mean Devonte smith's good but you're going up against the you're going up against Tom Brady and arguably one of the best receiving cores in football. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm pretty content to just leave it with, you know, <laughs> Bucks win. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. I, not expecting Matt Ryan to almost pull off like what Dak Scott did. Not happening. Um, now moving on to the Dallas Cowboys traveling to face the Los Angeles Chargers. Like I said, Dak looks good. Uh, 400 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, almost beat the reigning Super Bowl champions without a basically without a run game. Yeah. Uh, that was my caveat. I was going to say that the Cowboys offense was something to behold, but really it was just Dak Prescott in the passing game. Uh, that was something to behold. They really, all the questions about the injuries and all that, uh, to me, were answered. I mean, he passed the eye test to me. He looked great. They played a really good game, kept his team in contention, and that was all without the run game. I mean, we've heard all the talk about Zeke, and granted that game script kind of didn't allow you to just kind of feed Zeke the way you kind of want to you want to to be able to get him involved in the game, but he's, he's got to be a bigger part. He's got to help them out some more, in my opinion. I mean, I came away a bit more impressed by what the Chargers were able to do. I Now, granted, I mean, Fitzpatrick went down, and it took a tight, narrow victory to even beat Washington. But even with that said, my only question marks about the Chargers was their defense, and the fact that their defense was able to step up and perform and granted yes it was Heineke uh, you know under a lot of pressure in the moment but still they stepped up and it showed me enough in their victory versus Washington and I think they have a better chance at getting stops in this Dallas defense because even though you know how good that offense looked it seems to be the same story with Dallas you know the defense will have playmakers and good players but overall not a good unit on that side of the field and I think that that hurts their chances in this one as well yeah like I said earlier I Justin Herbert looks good in week one. I mean, three almost 340 yards, a touchdown, yes, an interception, but he looked good, and he's against one of the better defenses in the league in Washington. I mean, that offensive line really looked like it could hold up against one of the better pass rushes, and Dallas has nowhere near that kind of ability to get to the quarterback uh, like Washington does, and that's going to really help Herbert sit in the pocket more, get his reads and get it to either Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, or Jarrett Cook, like he's going to have plenty of time. And that's going to, that's really going to be key against a team like this, because it, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be an extremely high scoring game. I agree. I absolutely agree. And that's why in that kind of a game setting as well, it just another reason for going with, um, the Chargers to me is if there has to be a stop that needs to be made, I trust the Chargers more to make that. Like I see this game being like that Kansas City Los Angeles game from what 2018. I could see it being kind of like that. Two very very good quarterbacks with a a good 
offense around them and not the best defenses. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm going with Los Angeles here. Uh, I think that offense and the slight edge to the defense for them is going to be able to to disrupt Dallas again. Agreed. I'm rolling right with you. Uh, now moving on to the Tennessee Titans traveling to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, once again, starting off the season, looking like he can be an MVP form. You just have to see if he can, can keep it all the way throughout the season. I mean, that's kind of been Russell's thing. He, he starts off the season really well, teeters off to, towards the midseason, and then picks it back up. It's going to be if he can continue to do that. But week one looked really good against Indianapolis. The run game looked pretty good with Chris Carson. Uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf look like one of the better wide receiver duos in the league. Got that speed guy on one side, the the height, weight, speed guy, and DK Metcalf on the other side that can go up and get anything. And then Gerald Everett at tight end, I don't hate it. No, yeah, there's definitely enough weapons, but I'm going to touch on the Titans first. And, I mean, I really hate to say I told you so, but I felt iffy about this team for a while now, and nothing is changing after being dominated by the Cardinals. I mean, the Seahawks will prove just as hard to handle, I can promise you. And it will be an important opportunity for the Titans to show us what they really have to offer. I was still surprised at just how lackluster the offense was. And I definitely think they need a better showing. I do think it will happen. I think, you know, the, the emphasis is in the air. They can feel it. They know that they need to turn things up. But still, I even still have questions about the defense. And that, for me, isn't just going to change in one week. I, I do think this offense is star-studded enough to really figure out and turn things around in one week. But defensively, no, I expect this to be a close game. I really do expect like a a Titans team that understands what's at stake here. I expect a good game from Julio, Derrick Henry, all those guys. But in the end, I do think they fall just short to the Seahawks uh, by a field goal, actually. 31 to 28 Seahawks win. Yeah, you're definitely going to need a big game from Derrick Henry to be able to keep you in this. I mean, 58 yards last week is not going to do it for – uh, the top rusher in the league for the past two years. Uh, and Seattle doesn't have the defense that Arizona does, but I think they have a, a better all-around offense than Arizona does. So it's going to be really difficult for, for Tennessee to be able to keep up with that. Uh, Chris Carson, if he can keep up what he did last week, that's going to really help them. I mean, Russell Wilson just needs to, to keep on this tear. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, Russell Wilson is a scary quarterback. I mean, you don't ever want to see that man. I know he hasn't won an MVP, but there's going to be one in his future. He's too good of a quarterback. I don't, I couldn't tell you when it's going to happen, but I don't, he's not, he's not stopping anytime soon. All right. I mean, the guy is amazing and it will happen for him. I'd love to see it be this season, but either way, I mean, they'll get through this game in my opinion. Well, now moving on to the last game of the week. This is going to be a, a oh, really good game. Uh, we got the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Bolt, Lamar Jackson just threw the game away uh, with that fumble in OT and crushed their hopes for week one. Uh, so there's definitely going to be, be a, a fire into Lamar Jackson to be able to come out and get a, a dub against this Kansas City team. That defense didn't look all that good uh, 
against the run game. But the pass game, they looked pretty good. So that run game for for Baltimore isn't really all that existent right now. Yeah. Um, to me, I mean, the news just it isn't getting getting any better for the Ravens right now. I mean, you just saw last week before their game, they had to put Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards on season-ending season IR. And now they get the Chiefs. I mean, this one is going to be fun, like you said, from, from a quarterback standpoint. I mean, two of the league's most dynamic, and we will get a, a probably a pissed-off and kind of chippy Lamar Jackson in this one as well. I'm sure he'll I feel like he has a lot to prove in this one with all the eyes on him. But if I'm being honest, I, I just really cannot see the Ravens hanging in this game that much. I do like the Ravens as a team, and I like them this season. But right here with just all everything that has happened to them in such a short amount of time, I mean, heartbreaking injuries and a heartbreaking week, week one game and loss with a fumble, I mean, I'm expecting kind of a rather flat Ravens squad in this one. I, I think they get handled by the Chiefs, and I could be wrong, but – the Chiefs are the one team that you know based pretty much for sure what's going to happen week in and week out when it comes to them. And with this Ravens team, it just feels like too much at once. I'd feel most confident rolling with the Chiefs, and I'd feel comfortable enough to roll big. I mean, I think this could be kind of a blowout. I think, that, like I said, just a lot working against the Ravens. Also, when the Ravens give up over 400 passing yards to Derek Carr with that receiving core, can can you just imagine what Pat Mahomes is going to do against that that defense without Marcus Peters and only uh, Marlon Humphrey on either Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman? It's I could see Pat Mahomes breaking the passing yards and passing touchdowns record in this game. Wow, that that's pretty crazy. I don't know if I could see all that, but I do expect this to be a comfortable win. Yeah, I, I'm i not saying it's going to happen, but, I mean, you you never know when. I mean, hey, I, I will tell you this. If there's a guy in the league that I could peg to do it, it would be Patrick Mahomes. So, hey, he could break it, and I could really be walking back some things that I've said on this show uh, next week. <laughs> yeah, but it's this is going to be a, another good week of football. I don't think it's going to be nearly exciting as week one was uh, just because of all of the – the hype around new teams and new QBs and all these draft picks coming in, but it's still going to be a really good week of football. I mean, every week is a good week of football when it's around. Absolutely. It's a good week of football when football is on and football is indeed on. By the time you guys are getting this, you guys will probably be getting ready for Thursday night football. So let me just say, enjoy that game. It's always a nice little way to coast into the real week of football. Not to say that Thursday night football isn't football. It's just, it's just the appetizer, if you know what I'm saying. So um, we get a full slate of Sunday games. There are a ton of good games in there. I'll be out enjoying one in person. I'll be trying to follow and stay in tune with the rest of the league as much as I possibly can, but I'll probably be really engaged at that game. So I'll come with a whole lot of Eagles and 49ers analysis next week. But um, I'm just playing, and we'll obviously cover the entire league next week. And I'm looking forward to getting to week three. I mean, it feels crazy. The season has only just started, but it's already so fun and so intrigued to me, and I've grabbed. I have to watch every game that happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane week one. I'm hoping for another really good week two with maybe some upsets. There are there are a chan few chances for some, but we'll just have to see. 
Uh, but with that, I have, of course, been your host, Jason Michener, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time.